Welcome to Understanding Buddhism in America. My name is Mike, and today's shoutouts go to Jatak and Chika, who both left wonderful reviews on iTunes for my show. Also to my now 40-something subscribers, and to the hundreds of people who have downloaded or streamed my shows. I'd also like to bid a fond farewell to my friend Allie, who's headed overseas soon, and give a shout-out to Lisa, who told me my podcast is, for some mysterious reason, the only podcast that works on her phone. I don't know why it works when all the others don't, but I'm sure it's some complicated scientific thing, so I'm going to call it magic. Today I'd like to talk about the Four Noble Truths. If there's anything in Buddhism that I can say most Buddhists agree with, it would be the Four Noble Truths. Now what's great about them is they're not really something to believe in, but rather just truths of the world to observe. Buddha was called many things in his lifetime, a teacher, a doctor, and an enlightened one. And the Four Noble Truths are where all of these labels really shine. They are his prescription to the suffering of our lives. The reason why they're in a four-step format is because that's simply how doctors diagnosed and prescribed things where he came from. First, they stated the problem, then the cause, then if it could be cured, and then the treatment. So without further ado, let's get started. The first noble truth is that life is dukkha. Dukkha can be translated in a few ways. It can be translated as disappointment, suffering, unease, dissatisfaction, discomfort, pain, misery, sorrow, unhappiness, or a number of other things. If you've ever heard that Buddhists were pessimistic, there's no doubt in my mind that it came from this noble truth. Unfortunately, people who've said that probably never bothered reading any of the other truths. The idea that life is disappointment and suffering is not supposed to be taken as a final statement, but rather a diagnosis. Believe it or not, everything that's ever been done, is being done, or will be done, all have the same reason behind them. There is only one motivation to every action ever performed, which is to relieve suffering. We watch TV or movies to relieve our boredom. We hang out with friends to relieve our loneliness. And we're hurtful to relieve anger. Boredom, loneliness, and anger are all forms of suffering. It's so simple it's almost hard to grasp. Every action in the world is performed by someone who at some point thought the action would relieve someone of their suffering at some point. I wish I could ask the world why they thought it was working. When we watch TV, it doesn't destroy our boredom permanently. When we're with our friends, it doesn't demolish our loneliness forever. And when we're hurtful, it tends to make us even angrier. In a sense, we're all acting like cats chasing our tails. We continue thinking we'll either find the one perfect thing to fulfill our lives, or we'll attempt to fill our lives with a chain of many imperfect, impermanent things that will never truly satisfy us. To understand how Buddha came up with this truth, you have to understand the story of Buddha. Siddhartha, Buddha's name before he was Buddha, was a prince who lived in a very sheltered life in a palace. His father was so sheltering, in fact, that Siddhartha never once witnessed an old, sick, or dead person. He was completely unaware that suffering even existed at all. One day, he decided to sneak out just to see what his hometown was like, because he had never really seen it before. While he was out, he saw suffering for the very first time. Deciding he truly didn't understand this suffering, he left home in search of whatever truths he could find, hoping to free the world of its problems. The first noble truth, life is disappointment and suffering, was his diagnosis to the world. The world is sick with suffering, and he wanted to cure it. Many people struggle with this because they see stating life is suffering as a sign of pessimistic surrender. 
If we say life is suffering, what about all the things we like in life? What about love and compassion? Most Buddhists I know agree that the issue may be in the translation. Life is suffering is a phrase that seems so harsh to Western minds that it creates an emotional barrier that keeps them from searching for a deeper meaning. Perhaps then it would be better to reword it a bit, not into something that means anything different to a Buddhist, but something that sounds differently to a non-Buddhist. In life, there is suffering. In any life, there is suffering, disappointment, pain, unhappiness, and sorrow. I think we can all agree with that, and it still holds completely true to the original noble truth. Next is the second noble truth, the cause of our suffering sickness. I found if there's any noble truth that can spark up a lively debate, it's this one. This is because it seems like everyone has a theory from where suffering comes from, and few of those people understand that all of their theories fall under this truth. The origin of suffering, disappointment, and unhappiness is attachment. I've already done a podcast on what non-attachment means, so this time I'll just talk about attachment. You may be wondering what in the world it means to be attached to something. Maybe you're even guessing it has something to do with love. Attachment can mean a number of things, but in the Four Noble Truths, it means the ignorance of transience. You see, everything is impermanent. There's not one person, place, or thing in this world that will last forever. Our sufferings and disappointments arise as soon as we become ignorant of this fact, due to our clinging on to the things we like or love. Then, when the things inevitably change, we feel like we not only lost what we like, but we also lost our sense of how the world works. It's like we pull out a compass and instead of it pointing north, the needle just spins and spins. This is the root of suffering, our disappointment, and our unhappiness. We strongly desire things we like to last forever, but rarely ask ourselves why. Do we want them around forever just because we like them? Because we believe either the things or us are worthy? Or maybe because we're greedy? There's a reason why lust, envy, pride, and greed are four of the seven deadly sins. They simply do us no good. We all feel them at some point, but the things we do with them could be tragic. To believe that investing ourselves enough into something else will cause it to succeed as long as we like it to, which is usually for the rest of our lives, is ignorant. Anyone who's ever lost a loved one knows this. Life is beyond our control, whether we like it or not. Sure, something like whether or not I tie my shoes is under my control, but I can't pretend to know when the laces will become loose again from walking around. I could double knot them and try to play it safe, but then maybe I'll tie them too tight and the laces will break. Even if I did manage the perfect knot and the laces didn't break, eventually those shoes will disintegrate. So you can see, even my shoelaces are beyond my control. This may not seem like a big deal to me, but if I apply the same mindset to bigger things such as loved ones, relationships, or money, I'll constantly be trying to fix up my situations and failing at understanding why I don't think they're perfect until the day I die. This is the unnecessary cyclic existence that most of us live in. Because of our attachments to things that won't last forever, we will suffer, and in doing so, we'll spread suffering to others. I like to call the third noble truth Finally, some good news! This step in the process is the Buddha stating whether or not the sickness can be cured. And the answer, thank goodness, is yes. Suffering can be cured. It's not a permanent disease for mankind. It's more like the flu, only we've been looking for our flu shots in all the wrong places. 
We've been throwing money, fun, and even crime at it, but to no avail. So what in the world are we supposed to do? This brings us to the fourth noble truth, the treatment. This is the medicine Buddha told us we should take. And considering how much suffering there is in the world, it's definitely worth a shot. Buddha told us the Eightfold Path is the best way to cure our sickness. The Eightfold Path is a simple set of virtues, and if we try to uphold them for ourselves, it will improve the quality of our lives. The path is right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Don't worry, there's not going to be a test on this later. Right understanding is seeing the world for what it is, without judgment. No good or bad, no right or wrong, no left or right. This is simply just observing not only how nature works, but how the natures of our minds work. The nature of the mind needs to be observed within, quietly and gently, for us to truly understand the patterns of our lives. Right intention means ridding ourselves of things, behaviors, and beliefs that we come to understand are either the causes of suffering or the causes of actions that cause suffering. Right speech is silencing our lies, gossip, and slander, as they too will cause suffering. Right action is refraining from destructive, corruptive, and harmful actions. This includes killing people, stealing, or sexual misconduct. Right livelihood means making a living doing something that won't cause harm to others. This means not making our living in drug dealing, prostitution, weapons, poison, or breeding animals for slaughter. Right effort is preventing and letting go of unwholesomeness while bringing up and maintaining our wholesomeness. So whenever we feel something bad within ourselves, we let it go. And whenever we feel something good, we let it shine and we keep it shining. Right mindfulness means being as aware as we can be. This can be a challenge because everyone likes to assume we're already aware at all times. Awareness in Buddhism is seeing the world through the clearest lenses possible. If two people witness a car wreck, it's not uncommon for their stories to be surprisingly different. One may say the car on the left was at fault, while the other may say the car on the right. This is because we all put our own perspectives, assumptions, or spin on the things we experience. We've gotten so used to doing it that we don't even notice it, and we often refuse to understand or acknowledge that the ways we think cause us to usually miss the big picture. Right mindfulness means seeing everything clearly and without putting a spin or a judgment on it. The last step in the Eightfold Path is right concentration. This can mean a few things, but I've come to associate it with meditation. Meditation is used to let go of sensual desires, anger, laziness, restlessness, boredom, and doubt. Once these are let go, the mind is concentrated and the world is clearer than ever. So, as we do our best to stick to the Eightfold Path, we realize that once we eliminate all these little problems from our lives, the only thing that's left is contentment and happiness, compassion and joy. So that's the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths. Thank you for listening to Understanding Buddhism in America. My name is Mike, and if you'd like to contact me for a shout-out, questions, or comments, you can email me anytime at understandingbuddhisminamerica at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.